Uh, let's go ahead and uh, we'll we'll open our lesson with prayer uh, and uh, we'll kind of get into it. Uh, we've got uh, a, a bit to cover tonight. Um, uh, we're in the book of James, obviously, uh, and we're in chapter three, the the chapter that is, if you will, uh, one of the more well-known chapters because of uh, its uh, uh, commentary, if you will, on uh, the mouth, the tongue, and what comes out of it, and uh, we're uh, continuing to, 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 you know, get into this a little bit deeper, a little bit more uh, study in regards to it, because you find God talks about uh, what comes out of our mouth quite a bit, uh, to, to give a, a full exhaustive study of everything that God says about words is uh, you're going to be looking at a majority of some of the scripture. Uh, because it is a very serious subject to God. But let's go ahead and pray. We'll get started this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the time that we have. Thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to uh, just be instructed by your Holy Spirit and your word. And I just pray that this evening our hearts would be uh, very receptive, that, Lord, we would take what we are hearing here today and uh, that we would endeavor to please you by applying it to our lives that, Lord, if there's conviction, we would uh, respond to it correctly and uh, correct what we need to correct. Uh, if there's edification that helps us grow and uh, helps keep us on that right path, Lord, I pray that we would just receive that uh, guidance and uh, um, that, Lord, we would just have a desire to please you with our lives in such a way that we're pleasing you with everything that comes out of our mouth. I thank you again, Lord, for uh, those that are here this evening, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you just be with those that uh, could not be here, um, whether due to travel or uh, health issues. Uh, Lord, pray you just bring them back to us uh, healthy and safe. And all of these things I do ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in James chapter 3, we left off uh, right there around... Uh, uh, verse five, a little bit. We'll back up to verse three, where again, you know, as an important principle, it says, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. Uh, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be very great, or they, they be, uh, uh, so great are uh, driven of fierce winds. And yet are they turned about with a very small helm, Whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on the fire of hell. And we'll probably not get much past uh, uh, verse 7 if we even get to that part. But... Um, but uh, what we begin to see as uh, as James really nails down this subject matter and and gets very descriptive of it is that we as human beings have a a, a problem with what we say. We have a problem with our words. Uh, this still is something that occurs with believers today, and we're going to see a lot of passages in regards to it. Because what God wants us to do is to look at the things that come out of our mouths and make sure what comes out of our mouth 
is truly glorifying to God. I mean, if you think about it, when 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 Christ was uh, um, was uh, pulled aside, if you will, and and told to get his disciples under control about praising him, uh, the comment that Jesus made was that if I told them to be quiet, these rocks would cry out. And again, if you will, we take that kind of as an example of everything is to give praise to God. You go and take a look at the last chapters in the book of Psalms, and it repeats that phrase over and over again, praise ye the Lord. And he gets very descriptive about everything and everyone that should praise the Lord, uh, including things that we wouldn't necessarily think that would praise God, but if a rock can do it, and Jesus Christ was very accurate in saying that it would. I don't know the last time you've ever seen a rock talk. I haven't. But obviously God knows that they're capable of that. Um, but whatever it may be, it's going to be something that praises God. That's an important thing because that praise should be what comes out of our mouth. And we find as he gets a lot more in the description as we get further down, he starts talking about uh, making sure our mouth has the right things coming out, that it shouldn't have blessings and cursing coming out uh, out of the same mouth because you can't get sweet and bitter water out of the same fountain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We, we, we realize that there's a lot to cover with this subject, and we're going to cover it here in verse 5 because, again, we see that it is a very small thing. The bridle is a small thing compared to the size of the horse. The, uh, uh, the, 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 the little helm that is on uh, a, a large ship is small compared to the rest of the ship. You know, here in the Portland area, we, we have uh, the, uh, that port of Portland, and there are super tankers that come there, and those ships are massive compared to anything else that's out there. If you've ever been up to the Puget Sound area, uh, you know that there's a lot of ships that are up there. Um, you know, we've had, uh, um, you know, I've had the ability and, and, and uh, opportunity to go up there, see some things on, uh, you know, some of the naval bases uh, beyond, uh, you know, a Coast Guard cutter and things of that nature. Uh, was going to try to get on some of the other ships, such as the uh, um, the battleships that were up there, the uh, the, the larger cruisers, uh, some of the aircraft carriers that never came to fruition. But oh man, I wanted to go. But you look at the size of those ships, and then you realize how small that rudder is, how small it is to control that thing. And 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 again, what we begin to see is that a lot of what we say is going to control a lot of what we do. It's going to control how we respond to situations. Uh, again, you, people can say the wrong thing, and I, I guarantee you, you say the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time, there's a good chance and good probability you're going to get popped in the mouth. That just, I mean, you know, th- 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 that's the nature of man. We realize that there are consequences behind it. And I will tell you this, you know, as, as difficult as it may be sometimes to steer that horse that, uh, that's there, especially if a person is untrained 
or if it's a horse that is, you know, still not quite fully uh, trained, or you're trying to stop a ship or trying to turn a ship, those things, they take some time to stop. They, they, they've got a lot of, you know, uh, mass behind them that takes them a while to, to turn. So when we begin to think about what, what James is saying here, he's talking about this issue of how do we deal with this subject? How are we to go about, if you will, controlling a tongue? How, and he makes it very clear here that it is a hard thing to tame. And he says, no man can tame it specifically in verse eight. So there is something that we need to understand about it. Now that's not to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, I just can't control my mouth. And James gives me an excuse, says no man can control it. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to let it fly. No, that's not what God wants. We not may, may not be able to tame it, but I can tell you we can contain it. And he gets very specific about how to do that. And he gives a list of animals and he talks about, you know, there's things that, uh, you know, we can tame beasts and so on and so forth. Uh, but, you know, the tongue, no man can tame. But what we can do is we can contain it. We can realize that there's certain ways to go about using it the right way. And this is what we're looking at. And in verse 5, you know, here he's talking about these words, you know, and if you will, in comparison to other sins, in comparison to what we do, sometimes these words seem so insignificant. And, and, And people try to downplay it. They try to downplay it with, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names and words will never hurt me. Well, that's not what God says. Let's not take that and run with it, okay? Now, understand, you know, the concept behind that taunt, if you will, but in in understanding the concept of, you know, how we deal with offense and when things are said. But but I will tell you this, in, in the grand scheme of things, God thinks a large amount about what we say. A large amount about what we say. Uh, Turn over to Matthew 12. Matthew chapter 12. I want to point this out so we kind of understand that when we start dealing with the tongue, we are dealing with a situation of the heart. Because in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, a generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Now I want you to see here in verse 36. This is an important verse. I actually happen to have it underlined. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. That should terrify every man and and woman and child in existence. If they believe in God and they believe that this is true, that's a lot, isn't it? 
Think about how we've just rattled off things that we shouldn't have, that have been idle. Spoken out of turn. Things of that nature, God says, they're taken into account. Now, now, now praise God, our sins, you know, being washed by the blood of Christ. But as a believer, if we were to stand and we were to give an account of everything that we had to say, and whether it was for the glory of God or whether it was for our own praise, would we even dare want to give a percentage? Would we even dare want to say how much were we talking about ourselves versus how much were we, time did we spend talking about God? Now, I'll tell you this, the gift of speech is of God. Uh, with all this stuff that I've had going on with my health, I had a small opportunity to experience what it's like not being able to speak. Uh, I had a, a, an event of what they call aphasia, which, you know, for some reason, there's like a disconnect with your brain. And even though your brain is making these words in the, in, in your head, they cannot get out of your mouth. And I was just sitting on the edge of my bed at night and uh, just trying to communicate with my wife. And there's nothing more frustrating than trying to communicate with your wife that you think there's a problem, but you don't know how to communicate that because you're you're not good at sign language. (laughs) And you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I communicate? I've got a problem here. There, Just think about this for a moment. We are given a very immense gift, the gift of words, the gift of speech. And what do we use it for? And this is exactly what James is getting to. He's wanting us to understand that if we just let the flesh rule and reign in our lives, then we are going to have some problems about what we say. So there is a way to go about handling the situation. And as we get further into that, into the chapter three, we'll find out that it has a lot to do with the wisdom of God. A lot to do with the wisdom of God. And I'll tell you, we find a lot of wisdom simply in the book of Proverbs, don't we? Simply in the book of Proverbs. Again, you know, Proverbs is one of those books that if, if you want to start somewhere with reading your Bible daily, just read a proverb a day. Just read a proverb a day. It's very simple. There's 31 of them. There's an average of 31 days in the month, right? You can figure it out. And then what happens if you, you know, wind up with February 28th and there's no more days left? Well, then you go ahead and you read 28, 29, 30, and 31, right? You just get a little extra that day. You're a little more holy, I guess. (laughs) But you understand the concept behind it is that the wisdom is found in the word of God. And if the word of God is what is in our heart, that good treasure, that is what's going to come out. Typically, what do people do with treasure? Exactly, hide it. Hide it. You know, everybody talks about the pirates and their hidden treasure or whatever it may be, or treasure at the bottom of the sea, and they got to get a diver to go find it and look for it and so on and so forth. And, and, and all of these things, uh, you know, it, it's a search. 
I will tell you this, if you wind up filling your heart with the word of God, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, you fill that in there, the stuff that will come out will be godly. Christ just said it right here. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. How does the good man get to that point? Well, he fills his heart with good things. And what does that do? It's a good treasure that he fills it with. It brings forth good things. That's what makes a person, if you will, good. The more word of God you receive, the, pardon the horrible grammar, the gooder you will be. The idea and the concept is, is that the more that we have the word of God, the more we're going to speak of Christ. Speak of what he's done for us. Because here, here's where we get, we get to this point where we understand that these things are, are deadly that come out of our mouth. The book of Proverbs refers to words as spears, darts, arrows, swords, you know, causing wounds, hurt. Uh, you know, here in this passage, it's referred to as poison, fire, all of those things, when they're being hurled at you, aimed at you, or around you, are not good for you. They're harmful. They're dangerous. And God warns us here, this is something that we have to look at and consider. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, he, he talks about in verse 8, you know, says it's full of deadly poison. I know we didn't get to that verse 8, but again, to kind of reference it and get an understanding of what we're talking about here, as we see, he says it's a little member, boasteth great things. And then, you know, he talks about what happens as a result of that little member. I remember when, when I was dealing with, with chemicals when I was a younger, uh, young adult and I was dealing with certain ones and I had to be warned and said, Hey, be careful with that one over there. That one has cyanide in it. You don't want to handle it without gloves and you want to make sure you don't splash it in your eye, get it on your skin. And definitely what you do is don't get it in your mouth because a little bit of it will cause a lot of damage. And I'm like, then why in the world do we have it? But anyways, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's some of that stuff will, is dangerous. It'll kill you. You look at the warning labels on some of those things and they've got, you know, people's hands burning and explosions. And, and I remember going through all of that training, having to read those placards that are put on the side of trucks and, so that when you, you know, have their hazardous response or there's a spill or something that happens, you have to know. So you come across that placard and you go, oh, yeah, this is one where we should probably run. <laughs> you know, how do you set up containment? You know, things of that nature. We get that understanding from what we read. 
So here we are reading something, and if you will, these placards that are warning us that if we don't look at the words and we don't consider what we say, we're going to cause a lot of damage that is unnecessary. A lot of people are going to get hurt. Because take a look at what he says here. Even so, the tongue in verse 5, going back to chapter 3 of uh, James, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. I tell you, that's one of the things that we look at when it comes to the issue of the sins of the mouth. The sins of the mouth. There's a lot of them. Boasting is one of them. Boasting is one of them. You go over, just as an example, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Keep your place, obviously, in James. Ephesians chapter 2. And in verse 8, a very familiar passage, Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. No matter what we do, we can't earn it. We can't work for it. We can't be good enough for it. The scripture makes that pretty clear. But he says this, he says, it's not all of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And look at verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because here's what would happen. Somebody would walk around and they would say, hey, are you saved? Well, absolutely I'm saved. I worked my way up there. I got heaven. I got the VIP tour. I, 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 I'm on the, I'm on the executive level. Why is that? Because I'm so good. And that person looks at him and goes, yeah, well, huh. well I, 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 I've got the presidential palace. Look at how good I am. That's what it would wind up being. But Christ, Christ, I mean, you, you bring Christ into the picture and he will take pride completely out of it. In humility, he went to the cross. In humbleness, he obeyed the Father. To give of himself on that cross for us, to be brutalized, mocked, beaten, bruised, crucified, stabbed, all of those things for us. And we're going to boast about helping a little old lady across the street. We're going to boast about how much money we gave to a homeless person. We're going to boast about uh, uh, um, how many good deeds and deeds of kindness we've done. How many times we've done whatever it may be. The problem is, is for every one of those, there's the times that you hated somebody without cause. There's the time that you wished a person dead. There is a time that you had, if you will, the wrong impure thought towards another person. All of those things begin to, if you will, whittle away those. But as God makes it clear that we saw in the previous chapter, one offense of those, you're guilty of it all. There's no way you could ever make up enough good works, do enough good works to take care of that. 
but boasting is one of them. Boasting is removed out of the whole issue of salvation because it would lead to those type of things. It would, if you will, would be contrary to the actual point of salvation itself. So here we are looking at this and we find that there's one that he identifies as, if you will, the sins of the mouth. The sins of the mouth. Let's take a look at a, a, another passage here. Uh, turn over to uh, Psalm chapter 52. Psalm chapter 52. <clears throat> I'm going to point this out. And we'll go into a little bit of a study here. <clears throat> I just blew right, right past it. Psalm chapter 52. <clears throat> Take a look at verse 1. Verse 1, we wind up with that boasting again. Why boastest thou, self, uh, uh, thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteousness. What we find here is, is this individual, this, this man, if you will, that is contrary to God, that boasts of himself being mighty, all that they want to do is the things that are sin of the mouth. Sin of the mouth. So take a look at what he says in verse 4. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. Now, now, now interestingly enough, there's a lot that's looked at with this, and this again being descriptive of uh, depending on which, uh, you know, how you look at it, very specifically of the devil himself and the Antichrist. And you find very clearly that the Lord will destroy that individual. We'll take care of him. This is prophetic in nature. But what we find is we find what the heart of the issue is. Thou lovest all devouring words. It's a heart issue. Here we are, you're getting into the month of February, go around to all the stores, and what do you see? You see heart, 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 right? You get gummy hearts, cinnamon hearts, conversation hearts, all those type of things. Those are all there. Why is that? Because it's meant to symbolize love. By the way, do you think that was a coincidence by any chance? No, that was orchestrated by God. Because the way that God looks at it is love contained in the heart of the soul is what we need to do. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. You start there. You start there. So we as believers begin to understand that there is this world of iniquity as he's referring to it. James refers to it, and we realize that it causes a big issue. You go back over to verse 5, and he says, Behold how great a little, uh, great a matter a little fire kindleth. You ever seen a, a, a firework? I'm not talking about one of those big ones that you get on some of the reservations around here that are capable of blowing up small geo metros. I'm talking about, you know, just the standard average 
firework. They're usually handheld. They're not that big. They're pretty small. Remember a, a few years ago, remember the Eagle Creek fire that was over there in the gorge? It all started because one maladjusted youth decided it was a good idea to go ahead and throw some uh, unused fireworks from the 4th of July. Some September, after a nice long drought, started throwing them into a canyon that was full of dry tinder. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was thinking. And he was sentenced for it and so on and so forth. And there was, whether you agree with it or not, there was a sentencing that went on with it. But uh, he throws that firecracker out there. And the next thing you know is you've got 50,000 acres on fire. From just a small little device. 50 thousand acres to give you an idea of how intense this fire was it took them nine months to contain it nine months before they said it was a hundred percent contained that doesn't mean that it was out that means it just wasn't spreading it took them over just over a few days over a year for them to declare it was extinguished. I mean, still, it, when you think about it, there was stuff that was still uh, smoldering. Excuse me, it wasn't nine months for containment, uh, but there was nine months later, there was there was stuff still smoldering in the areas that had they thought had been extinguished. Nine months later. There was pieces of wood still burning. One small spark. So God says, your words are capable of that. Your tongue is capable of causing that volume of a destruction. That volume of a destruction. God puts it in that perspective for us so that we would understand I should get a hold of what I say. I should be careful. I should think about my words. I should think before I speak. I should pray before I speak. I should really truly want to speak what pleases and honors God and doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit according to Ephesians 4. This becomes a very serious matter. And we just talked a little bit about boasting and over there in Psalm 52, he gave a list of some other sins that are there. But we, you know, let's just take a look at a couple of the other ones that are there. You know, we think about the sin of cursing. And when people think of cursing, we think of curse words, the bad four-letter words, right? Well, let's take a look at what Psalms says. Let's go keep your place in James. We'll probably get back there, Lord willing. Uh, Psalm chapter 10, Psalm chapter 10 and verse 7. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 10, uh, 10. wow, <clears throat> 
Psalm chapter 10, verse 7. You know, this is talking about the wicked man and the wicked person uh, and what their heart is. And, uh, uh, you know, again, in verse 6, it says, He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. A wicked person says that. A wicked person says they're never going to get into trouble. I don't know about you, but trouble seems to find me. Trouble just comes. I remember one time we were moving from Boise, Idaho to Spokane, Washington. We were visiting, uh, if you will, one of our favorite places before we left, and it was downtown Portland. And this guy, he had um, a kind of a hot dog cart, and he was selling these these German sausages on a bun. And I'm telling you, these things were, whoo, they were the best. Oh, man, they were so good. And we went down there, and uh, my folks were talking to him and said that they were moving to Spokane as we're chowing down on these dogs for the last time. And and uh, he, and he said, well, he said, uh, be careful. He says, uh, trouble will find you. Now, that, that was his sage advice from the hot dog cart vendor. <laughs> trouble will find you. <laughs> and and you, you think about that for a moment, and, and it's true. It's true. You know, I've counseled individuals and told them very clearly, you know, when they come to me and they say, well, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking about doing that. And one of the things that eventually comes out of their mouth is they're, they're in, in, in deep trouble. They'll say, well, I think I'm going to move to this state or I'm going to move to this town or I'm going to move here. And I'm like, don't do that. Because here's what's going to happen. You think that that's going to get, that's going to alleviate the problems. You're going to move and guess what's going to happen? Three months later, your truck, that trouble that you had is going to show back up on your doorstep and it will have brought friends. Don't think you're going to escape it. Deal with it. Address it scripturally. There's a way that God has for us to deal with those things. So somebody that sits there and, if you will, boasts of themselves in such a way, saying, hey, I'm never going to get in trouble, that person God considers a wicked individual. Take a look at what he says in verse 7, though. This is where we're getting at. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. But I want you to focus there. He says that his tongue is full of cursing. Yes, deceit and fraud, if you will, lying, which we'll eventually get to, and lying, which we've already talked about a little bit. But here he's making it clear, it's also full of cursing. Again, it doesn't mean he's using swear words, but what he's doing is he's cursing things, if you will, trying to cause harm to them. I've seen it before. People curse individuals in their heart. The pronounces, if you will, is that someone like a curse, like a shaman or a witch doctor would do. To wish harm upon another person. Because that's what that curse is meant to do. You see Jesus Christ going and what does he do? He curses the fig tree and the fig tree withers. So when men and women curse each other, what they're doing is they're basically saying, I want you dead. I want you harmed. I want you hurt. I want your family hurt. 
You're like, well, people aren't really like that, are they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. God makes it clear this is one of the sins of the mouth, the sins of the tongue. Psalm chapter 59, picking up with that deceit and fraud right there. In verse 12, Psalm chapter 59, verse 12, it says, For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, uh, let them even be taken in their pride for cursing and lying, and for cursing and lying which they speak. An interesting thing here is we begin to see a connection of what God's saying. You've got a guy over there in Psalm chapter uh, uh, 10 that is saying, I'm never going to have any problems in pride. Now we've got another individual here that is the words of their mouth and their lips. Those individuals, they're being filled with pride. And he makes it clear that the connection is, he says, and for cursing and for lying, which they speak. That's the sin of their mouth. A lot of sins are connected to pride, by the way, which is why God names it as the number one on that abomination hateful list, the proud look in Proverbs chapter 6. Because remember, it was pride that brought Lucifer down. Was it because of an action he did? No, it was because of words that he spoke and iniquity that was found in him. Isn't it interesting that the way he gets Adam and Eve to fall is he doesn't give them the fruit. He doesn't beat them or hurt them. He doesn't do any action attempting to kill them. No, he speaks what? Words. Very deceitful, lying words. Make no mistake. The Bible makes it clear that the devil lied in Genesis chapter 3. Because what does Jesus say about him? He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. God made it clear. And he says right here that this is one of those things that comes out of our mouth. Why does Ephesians 4 say to stop lying to each other? Repeatedly throughout scripture, we find what God thinks about the lying tongue. Again, it's even found over there with, with that, that list in Proverbs chapter six. Here's another one. Let's turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 15. I'm just pointing these out as some of these things that a lot of people don't take into consideration when they think about the words that come out of their mouth. They may jump on and say, well, lying, yeah, I understand, I get that. Yeah, okay, cursing, I can kind of get that. But boasting, boasting of themselves is a big one, the pride. Here's another one. How about blasphemy? Blasphemy. And he says uh, uh, right here in uh, Matthew chapter 15 and in verse 19, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. That comes out of the heart and it comes out of the mouth as we saw over there in Matthew chapter 12. Somebody that would blaspheme God. 
And the way that a person blasphemes God is by saying, God is not capable of doing this. They attack his character. They attack his nature, who he is. They attack what he's done for us. All of these things we wind up seeing being blasphemies towards him. And the way they attack it is they scorn it and they mock it. They scorn it and they mock it. You watch a person that is a blasphemer and they will not call God God. They won't, they won't respond with him by calling him that. You'll barely get them to even utter the, utter the name of Jesus sometimes. They may utter it in a cursing, taking it in vain, but they'll refer, they'll mock him in some other way. Oh, the big guy in the sky. No. I, I, I've heard a whole litany of them that I don't even, you know, they're just they're not even worth mentioning because of how derogatory and, if you will, just hurtful they are towards towards God. Now, it's not going to hurt him because he's God, but that's what they're trying to do. That's what blasphemy is about. Take a look at Proverbs, going back to Proverbs, or not back to Proverbs, but to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10. Here's another one that a lot of people don't always realize. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 and uh, verse 18. He that hideth hatred with lying lips... And he that uttereth a slander is a fool. Now, what's the definition of a fool? We find that over there in the book of Proverbs in a couple of places. A fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. A fool is somebody that behaves as if God does not care or God does not exist. Or that person does not give a regard to who God is. That's fool. That's what foolishness is. And what we find here is we find this one called slander. Now, slander in the legal world, there's a lot involved with it. There's a lot involved with it. But I'll give you a summary about what slander is. Slander doesn't even necessarily have to be a lie. Slander can just be somebody saying something about another individual to bring them lower in the estimation of other individuals. That's what slander is. You know, in this day and age, we might even call that gossip. So what we wind up seeing here is we see that God very clearly points us out that's a foolish thing. And if you will, foolishness is a sin. God makes it very clear here that this is a sinful activity. 
because he lumps it right there with a person that lies. And specifically lies about hating another person. Lies about it and tries to hate or, or tries to hide it in such a way. They're faking it. They're faking it. And here they are. What are they doing? They're talking about somebody else. Trying to bring somebody else down in the eyes of another person. I'll tell you, not only does it apply for us, for, you know, human beings, but I'll tell you this, when people try to pull God down and slander him, trying to bring him lower in the estimation of another person, I wouldn't want to answer for that. I wouldn't want to answer for that. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, uh, we're running out of time here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to hit a couple of these things very quickly. We're going to probably have to pick up some of them, Lord willing, next week. But there is one that I want to, you know, we want to get to. But 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and in verse 20, Paul's writing to this church and he says, For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. Basically, he's not really convinced he's going to find him doing the right thing. <laughs> and he says, lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. This is what he's fearful about walking into. This is what he's fearful about walking into. I'll I'll say this. Uh, there, there There was a pastor friend of mine, he once said he would never take another church from any individual ever. He said he would rather start one from scratch out of his garage because he's afraid he'd walk into that. And many times that's the case. Many times that's the case. But I want to point out one that's in there that we think, you know, that, that we look at that he starts talking about that is, if you will, begins with the words of the mouth. And he, what does he say? He says backbitings. Backbitings. Talking about people behind their back. Again, the whole process behind why a person would do that is pride. Because you're trying to bring that person lower and you're trying to raise yourself in the esteem of that person you're talking to. Well, do you know what such and such did? Look, somebody comes to you and says, do you know what such and such did? Or something like that. You know what you need to say? Excuse me, I got something better to do. Don't listen to it. You don't want to be a partaker with it. Because you will be held accountable to it. God makes it clear, and this is and again. I'm only just highlighting, you know, one verse out of each one of these. But you take a look at what God says about backbiting, and, and He doesn't have anything favorable to say about it. 
Why? Because it's sin. Right next to it, what does he have there? Another one. Whisperings. Whisperings. Look, I understand sometimes there's private conversations. you got to whisper and stuff like that. There's closed doors conversations. Understand those things. Because, again, there's privacy. There's certain things that have to be addressed, so on and so forth. But the whisperings we're talking about are, again, whisperings in such a way that you are taking another person and bringing them down. Because remember the previous chapter. We've got to understand everything in context. The previous chapter of chapter 2 of the book of James was addressing how individuals interact with other individuals. Chapter 3 is a continuation of it. And he's saying these are, if we will, we look at this, whisperings is just as bad. And he doesn't even clarify what it is that's whispering. But if you got to whisper about someone so that they don't hear you talking about them, you probably shouldn't be talking about them. The swellings, the next one that we get there. I like this. Swellings. You ever swell? Thanksgiving Day comes along. You're sitting there going, man, I just want to go home and put on my comfortable pants. The one with the stretchies, you know? I ate way too much turkey. I ate way too much mashed potatoes. With me, it would be, I ate way too much cookies, you know? (laughs) Whatever it is, you just like, you know, you swell, right? We think about that. You think about things that swell, you, you hit something and you get swelling that happens and occurs. I've whacked my head more times than I can count. I'm surprised I don't have brain damage, but uh, I probably do. But, well, actually, no, I had an MRI and it said it was fine. It said it was fine. They didn't find anything. Dad joke, you didn't get it. I'm sorry, I'll explain it later. But, you know, swellings. Swelling is not good. You get brain damage, you whack your head and you swell. Your, that brain injury is going to occur. It's going to be a problem. I've whacked my noggin, I get, you know, a large lump on there. Swellings. But this swelling is talking about ones that you produce yourself through pride. Swelling words boasting, if you will, all these things that talk about how great I am. That's not what God wants to hear. I want to get to one last one, and then we'll pick up again a little bit with this list, but it's over there in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter four. And I'll tell you this, this is why Facebook is one of those things that you just, it's ugly. If we didn't actually have a church Facebook account, I would never even be on that thing. But, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, um, in verse 15 of first Peter chapter four it says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer. I like this. Peter's just like getting straight to the point. 
Yeah, you really shouldn't be killing people. I'm sitting there thinking, wait, he's talking to a church. I guess that was pertinent at that point in time to this church (laughs) or as a thief. Or as an evildoer. And those are three big things that are just like, you know, in your face. I mean, praise God, I don't have to get up on Sundays and, and preach against murder in this church. It's not a common thing, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to talk, you know, to, you know, remind people it's wrong to rob the 7-Eleven store. I, you know, I, it's wrong to be the villain, if you will. It's wrong to do those type of things. But I'll tell you this, you know what, what gets lumped in with the rest of them? Or as a busybody in other men's matters. The person that busies themselves with somebody else's stuff. You know what? That shouldn't, and he makes it clear here, let none of you suffer as a busybody. Now, that is an interesting thing and an interesting way to phrase it. And I can understand why it's phrased the way it is from an English grammatical standpoint, but I can also understand it from the point of God doesn't tolerate that and you will suffer some consequences because of it. You will suffer consequences because of it. Because somebody that invests themselves into other people's affairs and matters, and if you will, gets, works their way into it, is a person that obviously doesn't have enough to do with their life right now. They're idle. What's the old adage about idle hands? They're the what? The devil's workshop. The same thing is true about an idle heart, an idle life, and idle words. Those are all things that the devil uses to destroy. And there's nothing that the devil loves more than to get other people, specifically here in this case, believers, tearing each other apart. That'll bring a church down real quick. Real quick. And sometimes people just need to mind their own business. Paul even says that at one point, and I'm paraphrasing. Our busyness should be occupied with what we are busying ourselves to do for Christ. Not with what anyone else or somebody else is doing. You know, Peter kind of got that way a little bit with John. John chapter 21. Peter receives this, this, I mean, amazing story of forgiveness. And here's Peter and the Lord just lovingly correcting him. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And, 
and, and, and he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And it's just, I mean, it's such just a tender, caring story. And then Peter, in all his obtuseness, goes, but what about John? And I'm just sitting there, and I read that passage, and I'm just like, oh. And then Christ has to respond with, what's it to you? <laughs> Seriously, what business is it, Peter? And he, he, he basically says, if he lives to, you know, forever, whatever, d- does it matter, Peter? Do what I tell you to do. Follow me. We spend so much time worrying about what everybody else does, what everyone else says, things like that. We spend not a lot of time thinking about what we do and what words come out of our mouths. We have to be careful and very critical, very, very, very judgmental over our own mouths, if you will, watching them. The psalmist says, set a watch over my lips. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Psalmist has said, watch over my lips. You know what that means? Anything gets out that shouldn't get out, I want it dead. That's what the watchman did. Hey, you're not supposed to be out here. What are you doing? <laughs> hey, you're not supposed to be coming through here. Javelin. Fring. I mean, you know, <clears throat> that's what the watchman does. That's what a good watchman does. Set a watch over our lips, keeping it contained to what it should be and what should come out. We'll pick up Lord willing next week and we'll talk a little bit about a couple other of these uh, words of the, 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 the mouth. And they're, they're ones that are very pertinent. Tailbearing, foolish talking and jesting that he talks about in Ephesians. These are all things that we have to, to, to realize. These are fires that are dangerous to play with. Not only are we going to burn ourselves, but we're going to burn other people down and other things down in the wake of it. And this is why James is warning. This is not wise to do. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. Let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer and... um and uh, well, you guys can go ahead and head home. Brother Mike Nemeth, would you dismiss us in prayer, please?